Thank you. Hello. I'm Logan, in case you didn't catch what Dave said. Uh, Dave asked me to share just a little bit uh, last week or the week before or something, um, and sort of looking at it from a foundation um, sort of aspect. And when he asked me that, I said, sure. Um, then I started to reflect on it and what they meant for me. And um, the more I reflected on my foundations, the more I sort of felt that that was probably the strongest area that has kept me where I am. Um, I mean, I'm a builder, so foundations are sort of, I know a little bit about them. Um, and I sort of thought back to the earthquakes um, and how, especially now, foundations have changed quite a lot. I don't know if anyone's built a house recently, but the amount of steel that you have to put into your foundations now is quite a lot compared to older houses that had nothing. And um, for me, my foundations are my parents and the time that they put into me and teaching me about God, um, doing Bible studies, um, and just spending that time teaching me the foundations of, of God and of being a Christian. And I think without those, I may not be here today. Um, for me, we, our oldest son is now 11, um, and when he was born, um, it was the best day of my life. I still remember it like it was yesterday. And uh, I can remember him coming out and thinking, you know, I had all these grand visions and plans that we could do. Um, I could train him up in the ways of the force. <laughs> and, uh, and they do, they are now being trained slowly. Um, and then when he was about four months old, we thought there's something wrong with his hearing. Um, we thought he's not, we were doing renovations at the time, we thought he's not actually hearing us properly. So we got him checked out. In 11 months, he was, they told us that he was completely deaf. And at the time, it was a huge shock. Um, and I was, you know, I, was, I remember sitting next to his bed, was cot at the time because he was still on a cot, at night time just tucking him in and then I'd just sit next to him and cry and just ask God to give him hearing and to make me deaf. I just wanted to take that burden away from him. And uh, I did that for months. I don't know if Meg knew that, but she does now. Um, <laughs> and that was a real shock. Um, you know, he was the first deaf person we'd ever met. And, um, but now when I look back on it, it's also the best um, experience we had. He's enriched our lives. I'm, I can't even explain how much, but... The people we've met and the experiences we've had have just been amazing because of it. You know, people, even I, I have to say this myself, but people always want to try and make you feel better. And so they'll say to you, um, quite a few people said, you know, he may be deaf, but at least he's not blind. And so that was, when he was, you know, little, it was sort of a little bit comforting. And then last year, um, Easter last year, we got a phone call to say that he had a thing called Usher's Syndrome, uh, which basically means he's also going to be blind. Um, so he's now got about five degrees. So for that, putting that perspective, for him to be able to see my whole body, I have to be about 20 metres away um, to be able to see from head to toe. And that really, for me and me, broke us. Um, and I remember, yeah, just the, basically we just got rung up and told to Google it because um, they didn't know what it was. 
So I did the Googling, and I'm, I Google a lot. Um, but, yeah, it was just that, that shock. And I think the hardest thing for me recently has been, um, like that last song that we just sung, is really, really hard to sing. And I just, it breaks my heart every time I sing it because, you know, we've prayed and prayed for God to heal Toby, that he will have vision and, you know, be able to see as normal. But, you know, God chooses what God chooses. And I have to just keep believing that, you know, he may not have sight here, but when he goes to heaven, he will. And I know that God has an awesome plan for Toby and that, you know, he is going to use Toby to reach other people. Um, and so for me, the foundation that my parents laid is really the only thing that can keep me grounded here because, you know, I have so many friends that have walked away from God for such little things. Um, and so for me, I really want to try and implant into my kids those foundations that when they do hit hard times and troubles, that they can stay grounded and firm in the church and in God, because sometimes it is hard. Um, and, it, yeah, as a parent, it's even harder because you have, you know, these grand ideas of what you want for your children. And, yeah, it's, it can be hard when what you have in your mind is the complete opposite. I mean, the biggest thing that breaks my heart is knowing that Toby's dreams are not going to happen. He has dreams of being a fireman, um, and I've been a builder, um, and so when I, you know, his, he pretty much has only got tunnel vision, and so a fireman is out, but we've had awesome opportunities at the same time. Of We've had um, a couple of firemen ring us up to take him through the fire station. Um, we got to go to Africa a couple of months ago and help build a school, and um, his first thought was to asked the kids in his class if he could take books and other stuff to give to the children over there. And so for me, I just want to keep on teaching them and implanting to them that, you know, that, that God is the reason and that everything he does, you know, although it's hard and we, can't, we don't always understand what, what God wants or what his plan is, that he has a plan. And uh, I can't see it and I probably never will. But I just have to keep remembering and keeping my faith in, the, in my foundations. And although my house is completely cracked and all the jib has fallen off, it can be repaired. That my foundations haven't broken and my, yeah, my house can be rebuilt. Um, and that's pretty much the only thing that keeps me going. Um, most songs in church now you know, just sort of break me a little bit more. Um, but I just have to have the faith that God has the plan. And, uh, and so I just want to, I try and plant that into, into the kids. And the more I've thought about it, the more I've realized I haven't been doing a great job of it. Um, but, you know, it just gives me the, the, the willingness and the passion to just do more with my kids. Um, I mean, I remember my mum, um, we used to do like little Bible studies after school. Um, on in the bedroom in front of in line in the sun, and just these little worksheets that she'd bring home from preschool, I think they were. Um, and dad would, you know, would do a devotion every morning. I um, mean, it's those sorts of things that have have grounded me um, and helped me to stay 
um, yeah, on the path following God. And although it's hard, I know that it's the, it's the best choice um, and that you know, I never have thoughts of giving up because those foundations are strong. Um, yeah. Thanks, Logan. I know that already I've got a whole lot of things to reflect on over the course of this week, this morning. Um, I want to share with you a few things about what I guess I've been challenged about planting into the lives of my four kids. And um, God has blessed Karen and I with four fantastic kids, and we love them to bits. And also give thanks to God for the things that they've taught us along the journey, because it's certainly not a one-way thing. Um, so, and we've been thinking about that and some of those things were built into lives. There was a number of stories that came to mind. We've always tried as parents to build into them the idea of being planted in their local church. And um, possibly one Sunday morning, we took that a little bit too far. Um, Jill may remember. We were meeting at the Aurora Centre at the time, and Karen and I managed to both go home, leaving our four-year-old Hannah behind. Um, <laughs> And uh, fortunately, um, at the time the building was being locked up, not only did um, Jill Bennett's find Hannah, which was a really good thing, but also she had an appropriate car seat in her car to be able to take her home. The first we knew was when she rang us. Um, <laughs> or we, we've also tried to be sure that we're being really positive and encouraging of our kids as they've tried new things. And I have strong recollections of one of our young lads at the top of the Hamner Springs hydroslide for the first time. Um, screaming. And so my, my version of positive and encouraging was to pick him up and throw him down the slide. Um, I'd have to say that while all of Hamner heard the first trip down the slide, it was responded by getting to the bottom of the stairs and running back up and going round and round over and over again. Or perhaps it was that exercise of trying to show them what it means to be patient. And at two o'clock in the morning, when I completely lost it with a young girl shouted at her in a way that I think I've never shouted at her before or since, uh, telling her to get back to bed. Interesting way of completely breaking a habit of getting up and down out of bed. Worked really well, but perhaps not one I'd recommend. <laughs> or is it that thing where it's important that we follow through on those things that we promise to our kids, um, such as potentially delivering one of our boys to his hockey game without any of his gear, after he had got it out, asked me very carefully to take it for him, put it exactly where we had agreed to, to, to have it, um, and that one was only last week. <laughs> I, um, I could go on, but there are really, uh, just on a sort of a serious note, there are some things that we have really tried to implant into the lives of our kids as we've tried to build them through. And I want to touch on three of them this morning just a little bit. The first of those is being planted in the local church. And I'm reminded that Psalm 92.13 says that those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. And it doesn't say those who attend the house of the Lord or those who visit the house of the Lord, but it says those that are planted. And being planted impacts what you do with your finance. It impacts what you do with your time, the way you serve. It impacts the decisions that you make in helping others within the church. And it impacts on the way you're prepared to listen to those people in authority within the church and allow them to input into your lives. And certainly that's something that we've worked really hard on trying to model with our children and encourage them to get involved. 
And for me, it's exciting to know that the oldest of our, the three oldest of our kids are all out this morning serving within Life Kids rather than being within here as they become planted within this local church. And it's our prayer and desire that this will be part of their journey and their faith as they flourish in the courts of the Lord. But I know too that scripture talks about the need for us to be deliberate in our training and instruction of our kids. And the idea of deliberate instruction is actually really important. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and the instruction of the Lord. Do not exasperate is interesting. You know, do not irritate. Um, do not have unreasonable demands. Or for me, it's the need to allow them to be children, to have fun, to try things, to be able to explore things and make their own mistakes along the way. They might tell you I'm not so good at that at times but also to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. I'm constantly challenged to take the opportunities when they arise to be deliberate about sharing with them the ways of God, helping them to understand some of his nature, his amazing love for us, his desire for us to come to him, his gift of salvation, who he says they are, and the value that that means they have. In a society that struggles with acceptance, Understanding their value because they are created and loved by God is huge, and I'm constantly challenged to do that better. And the third thing for me is this idea of walking through life with them, allowing them to be part of the journey. Deuteronomy 6, 5 to 7 says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. You must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you were going to bed, and when you were getting up. At home, on the road, going to bed, when getting up, some translations use as you walk down the road. For me, it's talking about those everyday moments of life. This means including them in what's going on. So, for example, when Karen was pregnant with Caleb, the medical people were giving us all sorts of negative news along the journey. For us, talking to them and being part of their lives meant sharing that with our other three children, allowing them to see what was going on, praying with them and allowing them to share in that journey, and in a way which was appropriate for their age, allowing them to see the journey that we were on as parents. Or when recently I was considering whether it was the right thing to apply for a new job, talking this over with them, allowing them to be part of that journey as together we talked and prayed and as a family, seek God's guidance. But this morning, I really want to finish with, with a thought of some of the things that I learned during my teenage years. As a 13-year-old, I was starting to explore my own faith. And as I started to attend a local church, I also gained a second family and a spiritual mum and dad. I was welcomed and included into my second home by parents of a friend within the local church. My second mum and dad included me and their family and really did carry out the roles of spiritual parents, talking to me about their love for God, living this out, and modelling what a Christian faith was about, helping me to become planted in the local church, loving me for who I was and showing me God's love. I gained a second family and extended family, and they included me in all sorts of activities and events, but more importantly, they shared their lives with me. It wasn't a short-term thing but it's a commitment that continued over the years. The challenge for me is how am I opening my home to others, including them, 
and loving them? How are we as parents of our own children also being parents to the others that God brings in front of us? Being prepared to be disrupted in the busyness of life. And for young people here who have parents at home who do not yet know the love of Christ in their own lives, are you willing to become vulnerable, to let someone else have input into your lives, to be trained in the way you should go, to let someone else see the real you and help you along your journey? God has a plan for parents and children's lives, which we see all through Scripture. The challenge for me is what am I doing to be deliberate about my role as a father, both with my own children but also with others that God's put across my path. And as the years go by, am I still open to being trained from my spiritual parents, the people God has put in my life to help me develop my walk with him? Hey, weren't those some great messages we've already heard this morning from Logan and Alistair? Wasn't that cool? And, uh, And I get just to share with you just for a few moments about what we build our lives on is so significant to the kind of life that we will lead. The foundation of our life, what we build our lives upon, will determine the kind of life that we live and the fruit that will kind of come from our life. The strength of what we build is based on the kind of foundation that we lay. We've kind of already heard that this morning, haven't we? And in Christchurch, we know a lot about foundations, as Logan already alluded to, and he probably knows a whole lot more about foundations than I do. But it will determine the kind of strength of the structure you build will be the foundation that you lay. Before we, Angie and I um, have just gone into an extension on our home, and what happened with that is it got held up and delayed because they wanted to send an engineer around to check the soil before we could lay a foundation. Now, for someone like me who just wants to get on and build, that was frustrating because I thought, well, there's already a house existing with a current foundation. Why on earth do they need to check it again? Just get on and build it. Don't send a jolly engineer out, sorry engineers, who will cost me a fortune to tell me whether or not I can put an extension on this house. I already know we can. There's already a house existing. But hey, we live in different times, don't we? So somebody wanted to come out and check it and get paid a fortune. And I felt incredibly frustrated because we only have so much money and it only stretches so far. Why the heck do we have to spend so much money before we can actually build anything? I don't want to spend money on finding out if the soil's any good. I can tell you now, the soil's fine. Just get on and put some concrete in the ground so we can build and extend our house. But I've learned something. Thankful for engineers who come out and check and make sure that before you build a structure, that structure is going to be able to stand the test of time. There are certain people who have trained in this to make sure that our houses and our homes that we build will be safe. Do you know Jesus was one of those guys? In fact, Jesus was one of the guys that cared deeply about the kind of foundation that people had. He cared about what you would build your life on. See, we're not just talking about physical homes that we built. We're talking about our lives, the kind of life that you build and the kind of foundation that you build your life upon. Jesus cared deeply about that. Have a look at Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is an expert in this stuff. He's giving the basics for how we build a life that actually will survive the storms that you and I will come up against. Matthew 7, verse 24 to 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation 
on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. The lesson Jesus is teaching here in Matthew is clear. If you expect to weather the storms of life and still remain standing, you'll take Jesus and his teachings to heart and put them into practice in your life. Jesus Christ is the only true and sure foundation upon which we may hope to stand. He is the basis for who we are and all that we hope to be. Jesus is the rock upon which we build our faith. A wise person represents those who put Jesus' words into practice. They're building to withstand anything. Yet those who pretend to have a faith, maybe they have an intellectual commitment to who Jesus is, or maybe they enjoy Jesus just in small doses, and perhaps their faith is really just a Sunday. Well, I would say that that is a foolish builder. Now, remember the context that Jesus is speaking into. In Palestine, it was known that torrential rain could turn incredibly dry ground into sudden torrents in a matter of minutes. Now, all the houses looked the same in good weather. You couldn't tell them apart. They all looked pretty good. They all looked pretty well built until the storm would come. And it was when the storms would come that would determine who built their house on the rock and who had built their house on the shifting sand, who had bothered to make sure they built on something secure and solid. The storms of life are what test the foundations that we've built on. So our topic this year is what are we building? What are you building? Here's a question. What kind of family do you want to build? What kind of marriage do you want to have? What kind of business do you want to lead? What kind of father or what kind of grandfather do you want to be? Well, your greatest witness is your life, not your words. Are you with me? Your greatest witness, that which people are taking note of, albeit your children are watching, and not the words that you say, but the way that you live your life. And it's tested and seen when the storms come. So to build the right kind of life and the right kind of witness, it must be a life that's built upon the person of Jesus Christ. Read Matthew if you want to know. If you want to know more about what are these words of Jesus that we're meant to put into practice in our lives and build our lives upon, we'll read through uh, from Matthew chapter 5. We see the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' first message. He begins with the Beatitudes. They're the proverb-like sayings that form the opening of this sermon. They are the blessed be statements, and they're worthy of your study. Then he speaks directly to a life worthy of witness. He goes on to say, you are the salt You are the light of the world. That's who you are. You're salt and light. Wherever you go, your life will be a witness for him. Then he declared that he did not come to abolish the law. This is great, but he came to fulfill the law. Then he speaks on murder and relates murder to anger. Don't want to have anger in your heart. If if you've got anger towards a brother, go and sort it out before you bring your gift to the altar. He talks about adultery. He talks and relates that to lust. You've committed adultery in your heart. Then he talks about divorce and oaths. Then an eye for an eye, which is revenge. But then Jesus' teachings get radical. And this is what I love about Jesus. How can he say this? But he does. You've got to know what it is to love your enemies. 
How can Jesus say, love your enemies? Well, followers of Jesus can love anybody, can they not? I can love my enemies because we are all in need of the grace of God and forgiveness of Jesus Christ, every single one of us. So he goes on to say, and he can claim, followers of Jesus know what it is to love every person that comes across their path. That's radical teaching. Then he goes on, giving to the needy, prayer and fasting. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust will not destroy. In other words, don't just store up temporary here and now kind of treasure. Sow into something eternal. Give to something where you can store up treasures that will last. He talks about worry. Don't worry about tomorrow because today has enough worries of its own. And he goes on to talk about he is our provision. So when we're building families and building lives that witness to him, we always trust God for his provision because he said he would. And that gives us a great sense of security. He goes on to talk about judging others. Remove the plank from your own eye before you try and remove the speck from your brother's eye. He talks about pursuing God for your answers. Ask, seek, and knock. Pursue God for the answers that you need. He speaks about eternity. He speaks about true and false prophets and true and false disciples. And then we get to the wisdom of what we are building upon. Build your life on the rock that is Jesus. Follow my teachings. Put them into practice. Build your house upon the rock. Follow in the ways of Jesus. See, to build anything of significance as a dad or as a husband, true success in those things is a life that will be built on Jesus Christ. Build on the right things. Prominence is biblical, but don't build your entire life upon prominence. Financial security is biblical, but don't build your entire life on financial stability. Education is biblical, but don't build your entire life on a foundation of your own learning. And the list could go on and on and on. Prominence, financial security, education, and the, and the longer list are all great things to build into your life. But only a sure foundation can be found by those who build on the life of Jesus Christ. That firm foundation, and the team can come back, that firm foundation is nothing less than Jesus himself. To base your life on any other thing, anything other than Jesus, is a disaster waiting to happen. We want to live lives that build upon Jesus, that last, that have a true legacy. Would you stand with me? We'll pray and we're going to sing together. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, you have laid out for us the example of how we should live our lives. We thank you for your word, Lord, that gives us truth and gives us a map and shows us how to build great, successful families, businesses, marriages. Lord, you've shown us how to live lives of great example. And so, Father, today, just afresh, we thank you that we have chosen as sons and daughters, to build our life upon the only sure foundation, and that is Jesus Christ. Lord, help us again today to stand firm on our faith. Thank you for what Logan said this morning, what we heard him share, the pain of life. But he holds on to the foundation of faith. And when he journeyed through that stuff in life, Lord, we hold on to you because you are our only sure foundation. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name.